Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. i got another jam-packed show for you guys today. The Jets are 3-5 and five at midseason. They lost to the Bears yesterday. I'm be joined shortly by Will Schneiderhan of the Jet Press. We're going to talk about the Jets at midseason, see what they've got going on, what to look forward to in the second half. Show me the money back for week number nine. I had a good week eight, went two and one, hoping to build on that again, go forward, make some good picks. That's coming up later in the show. Make sure you're locked in until the end for the two-minute drill where I talk about why the World Series ratings are down and why baseball does not realize they have an issue on their hands. We're going to get everything rolling with today's opening tip. We're going to take a look at the new GM for the New York Mets right after this. Y'all ready for this? Welcome back to this week's opening tip. Now, the Mets have a new GM. It is not Heimblum. It's not Doug Melvin. It is super agent Brody Van Wagenen, taking a lot of us by surprise. And I'm going to surprise you guys. I do something I don't usually do. Usually the top of the show is just me. I had this once before. Jack Clark was not at the top. But Will Schneiderhan came here early. He's fired up about the Met GM. He wants to say some words, so I brought him on the air. Will, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Doing good. I understand you have a very hot take on uh, Brody Van Wagenen. Nah, not a fan of the move. Not at all. Why is that? Um, I just, I feel like Bloom was the guy, right? It was kind of like he 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 was like part of building this team in Tampa that was, for all intents and purposes, really good. Yeah. Would have been a playoff team if this was like a nas- if they're in the National League and. He kind of built it on what the Mets are about or what this seems to be about with the Wilpons, right? Like, spend the least amount and yeah. maximize the, what you get from the team. So, like, I was just like, you know, okay. And I'm on board with that, right? Like, I don't want to spend all this money. But at the end of the day, you have to spend money, too. But it's weird, too. I just don't feel comfortable with with this hiring. I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I, I just feel uncomfortable with it. It's really weird. I was thinking about this before because, first of all, like, how shocked were you when Doug Melvin was knocked out on like Thursday or Friday? Oh uh, yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah, you texted me and you said it was like a Woj bomb, and it was. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, seriously, because like literally, this is just like all we heard was Fred Wilpon wants an old school guy who does scouting and player development, and you thought it was either Doug Melvin or Gary Rock, and then like, especially once Doug Melvin was the only one who actually talks to the press when they said they want all three right. to do it. I thought, okay, he's got the job, and right. they knocked him out. I'm like, what happened here? Uh, I was I was really surprised. Honestly, I, I had just like in my mind, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, we'll get Melvin. We'll see what it's like. I I because the MLB, like, I did not think they would be on board with with the decision they made. I mean, it's really it's kind of like setting a precedent in a way. I know some people suggested this has ha- this had happened before, where like an agent moves into the front office, which I'm sure is the case. But I don't know. Just he represents like half the Mets. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. The way I look at it, it's like if you've been I mean, you've been to like graduation parties and stuff like yeah. Italian restaurants and stuff like that. You know how there's always like you always have a, th- a three three choices for your entrees. Usually like yeah. the chicken dish, the steak, or the fish. Usually I look at it, it was like Bloom and Melvin take your pick. They're the chicken and the steak. Yeah. The Mets went off the menu. They took the fish, which nobody really does. That's which I'm curious to see how this goes. I'm really I agree. I think that's a great way of putting it. Like, yeah. I, especially because this summer. He was like, you know, sign to Grom or trade him, and now it's like, okay, well, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, the fact they picked him specifically, he brought that up. The fact that a this summer he said yeah. he told the Mets, pay to Grom or trade to Grom, and now he's the one who's going to decide they pay to Grom. That's weird. And back in the spring, don't forget, he was the guy who was saying that the the players should go on strike because they weren't yeah. getting paid enough. That's... That guy now is running the New York Mets, and that's why I'm kind of worried. Like, like honestly, um, 
part of me is like, uh, you know, like I'm sure he'll challenge the Will Ponds. You know, this is a guy who knows that side of it, like free agency, signing guys, re-signing guys, where it's like, okay, maybe, may- just maybe this will work out. But then I keep thinking about it more. I'm like, no, this is just going to be a nasty breakup, and it's not going to work at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one thing I've seen brought up a lot is this whole idea that, like, this idea of be- going from being an agent to a GM is a huge conflict of interest, especially because, like, what? Because, like, he represents, like you said, he represents DeGrom, he represents Syndergaard, he represents Ioannis Cespedes, Todd Frazier personally, his agency represents a bunch of other guys in this team. But, like, he has all his information now that, like, the Wilpons can want him to use to help them negotiate contracts. Like, that's, like, a big ethical, like, issue. Yeah. I, and, like, I don't even know. Like, does he have to, like, sacrifice all? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, he, so, like, he. Obviously, well, he's no longer their agent now. He's the GM. Yeah, yeah but, like, so, like, if he, um, because his firm represents a ton of P, uh, players, right? So, yeah. like, if he knows maybe, like, some guy they're going to pursue as, like, a little hip injury and he yeah. knows it personally, like, he can he, you, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, that's why the Players Association and I think Tony Clark. Uh, mentioned it like or had said something about it where it's kind of like like they're on board with it but at the same time you got to keep an eye on it yeah scott boris too so that he was he's been approached for a job like this before he's turned them down because he believes the conflict of interest because he's right. he's supposed to be loyal to the player and not like go sell the player secrets if he becomes a gm exactly so yeah, yeah that, that's where i'm at. I just, it's the mets though right like we're gonna see how how it plays out <laughs> yeah it's just weird too specifically like this whole concept of like and this is something I've seen brought up that like Evan Roberts, Joe Beningo are huge fans of him, specifically because I think the producer, I think was it was it uh, Doe Kramer pointed out on Twitter, he's like, hey, maybe this is the guy who convinced the Wilmots to spend money because that's what he does for a living. So yeah. I don't know if I buy that argument, but like it's a logical idea to so, say, you know what, like, maybe you can convince them, hey, let's spend the money on the guys like Machado and that, that caliber free agent. Yeah, that's always like before, like I was trying to like, Seth, more or less, what I was trying to say, like, I'm like, yeah, like, okay, maybe. But then like the more and more I think about it, it's just like the like Will Ponds, we've seen it. They don't. They don't break, right? It's yeah. like the, at the end of the day, they're the guys. They're the head honchos. So all I, like, I agree. Like, oh, maybe he will, you know, cut the check. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, or not. And this is just a huge dumpster fire. And the Mets continue this just like stretch of just like you know, this mindless just what is going on. Yeah. Plus, like, as bus people, I think Buster always probably the biggest critic against Van Wagen is point out the fact that like. He's never been in a baseball front office before. Yeah. Like he usually said, I saw, I read his ESPN Plus column. Like mm-hmm. one of the things he said was like, basically, he's more, he's qualified to be their first baseman. He has to be the GM. And I, I, that's another part of it, right? <laughs> like, and it's kind of ironic you said that because the Mets' first base, base coach is um, Ruben Amaro, right? So he's probably more qualified to be the GM. <laughs> like, I mean, this guy was a GM, but yeah. like, just joking aside, like I have. I just that's what I mean like like this guy knows how to write uh you know barter and work and get his guys the best deal but I mean well, he has no clue what yeah. it takes to be the you know for all the flack that Alderson got you know it, it, this is one of the toughest jobs in all of sports specifically I mean we know how the owners are right? oh yeah for sure and that's where I'm just I, I mean I just I truly don't like I really don't know what to expect and and even if he goes and signs like a handful of guys and the I, I still don't think I think a lot of Mets fans like and including myself and yourself, I'm sure you know we're dying for that big guy to come and save us. But at the same time, I don't want this guy to just go throw money left and right and you know we're, spend money in the wrong areas. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the other thing, I mean, like now we basically know that basically they're going to keep all three guys they have right now. They have keep Manaya, Rick, yeah. Richardi to help him. It's like and like you wonder who exactly he's going to plan on bringing in to help him. That's very true. I never thought of that. So you know, like okay, maybe maybe it's just okay. Here's the title of GM. Yeah, and then you know, you'll play GM, but we'll have um, Manaya. Yeah. yeah, we'll have these guys help. Which again, it's just like they just don't. What, what that really tells me is they don't trust any of the people that they, they interviewed. And it, yeah, 
Yeah, that just bothers me. The fact that like, I mean, they, their front office is so convoluted. Uh, I mean, like Terry's still kicking around there somewhere. He, he he's got he has Fred's ear. I mean, Terry, they said that he might be in charge of player development. I'm like. I just at some point can these people just move on? We can get new people in here, and that's what it is. It's yeah. like we're so tired of. I'm so tired of it, you know. Like, and it was like a, a, we saw the glimpse in 15 where they kind of let their hair down a little yep. bit, right? Cespedes yep. was like really pulling teeth to do something like that, resigning him, you know. And now it's like in back to reality. Yeah, for sure. Now I don't know if you saw the some reports on Saturday on Twitter from Rich Catino and Mike Puma, who basically said that the Mets had made a choice to basically like. They only want to talk to people who believe they could win right away. So basically, like that's why I like your Charringtons and like yeah. your people turn the job down because like Charrington specifically, I think Puma said he wanted to rebuild and the Mets were not interested in doing that. Does that bother you that they were so close minded? Said you know what, like we want this, like we believe we can win right now. We want somebody who believes that same vision. We're not open to possibilities like that. I just think the whole thing is like. PR in a way, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Wilpons fed that through, right? That Puma, you know, I'm sure, like, they were like, oh, make sure, you know, like, we, we were hiring guys. We want to contend. We didn't want to rebuild. That's why this didn't happen. Again, mm-hmm. it's like, re- this is always the case with them, right? It's like, let's save face. We're not the bad guys here. And, like, I get, you know, I don't want to rebuild. I don't really think, you know, a lot of Mets fans don't want to go and blow it all up and go into this rebuild. But at the same time, I do you see them spending a lot of money? You know, I don't. I don't trust anybody there to go and do it. So go and, and make the move. So like to me, honestly, when I hear that, it's just like, all right, let me flip on the. I'll flip over and you know sleep the other way because it's just nothing. It doesn't surprise me anymore. It, yeah, it's just mind boggling because like I thought the the point of the, uh, the process here, the point of the exercise, is to find the best person to fill the job. Mm-hmm, yeah, not like the best person who fits what you want to do. Yeah, and, and who was it? Steve Phillips or year? Who was a uh, somebody before said like uh, the name? You, you might have the title GM, but at the end of the day, it's the Will Ponds who control yeah. it all. I think it was Phillips. I could be wrong. You know, don't quote me on that. Yeah. But uh, I think that's just another case. Like, like this is just another case where a change is made. You know, yeah. quote unquote made, but nothing's ever going to change. <laughs> That's why I'm curious why he took this job because yeah. Van Wagenen, like, I mean, they saw, I saw his reports, like, he was making, like, $25 million a year on commission. He's, yeah. he's going to take, like, an 80% pay cut to go work for the Mets at best. So, like, I'm just shocked that he would agree something like that where he's not getting, like, some level yeah. of, like, reasonable level of control. And I think that's another, right? I mean, yeah. there's, like, a lot of, like, what, you know, what really is going on here? You know what I mean? And unless he thinks, hey, let me come in and I'll be, like, this crusader. I'll yeah. I'll come in and I'll, I'll, I'll change the culture. But, I mean, we saw that with Sandy. I mean, yeah. I, I, people bash Sandy because, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't win it. And I understand that. But... He was kind of that guy. Like he definitely pushed the Wilpons to the absolute limit on some cases, where where like I don't think fans really know that. So I don't really know what what what's going to happen now. You know, I don't really know how much further you can push the Wilpons. Oh yeah, for for sure. Plus, like Sandy apparently asked for more more analytics people, and they said no. Yeah. So I mean, like, what are you going to do there? That's what I mean. It's like a constant like. You know, you take this, and I'm sure Sandy would tell him, "Hey, listen, <laughs> you got to know what you're getting into, right?" And it's, I think it's just another case of that. And I really don't have too much hope for it. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, as far I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm intrigued just for the fact that like I give them credit for like actually yeah. being bold to go outside the box two years in a row because True. like people forget Mickey was outside the box last Very. year, Cali, because like they could have easily gone with like a lot of like an old like established guy or like something like that, but they went outside their comfort zone. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of them for doing it again, but I worry about this. I worry about the fact that like, they made themselves so locked into we have to win right now. It's for kind sure. of like 
I'm worried it's kind of like what the Giants did with Gettleman, where they specifically went and looked for a guy who believed they could win with Eli Manning, and then they're gonna, and they're going to Giants turn into a disaster. That's very true. I think that's right on. Honestly, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Cause I think you're right. I'm, that definitely. And and you you've talked about it before. Like you don't want the Mets to look at this roster and how they played down the stretch and think, all right, we're right there with other teams when we're really not right there with other teams. No, there's a lot of work to be done. Hopefully, he's the right guy to do it. We could go off with the Mets for another hour. Let's <laughs> let's not. Let's go get to the reason why you're actually here. Yeah. You want to talk about the Jets a little bit? Yeah, of course. All right, we'll start. I'm going to stick around. Talk about the Jets right after this. Second and ten coming up for Chicago. He's there. Home. He's going to outrace his blockers and outrace everybody. In the secondary, he goes, and he will not be caught. Touchdown, Chicago. Electricity. Well, the Jets send all these guys. Well, who's covering the back? It's a screen. What a perfect call. And look it. No one's covering the back. They all came after him. All right, and we're back with Will Snyderham. We're going to talk New York Jets. Will covers the J- team for the Jet Press, a great blog online. you got to check that out. Jets yesterday played a pathetic football game, lost to the Bears 24-10. to They're now 3-5 and at, at the midway point for the third year in a row. Will, what's your overall take on this team from the first half? You know, I, I – it's you know you said the record's the same as it has been for like the past three years the midway point all that but for some reason you look at this team and I feel as though I mean they're they're definitely way better than those teams were as far as talent but at the end of the day it's the you know it's bowls it's bowls it's his staff and they keep playing this conservative style football and it it just drives me nuts it drives me nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I think every Jet fan, minus one or two we happen to know, I think is, is, is done with bowls. But we'll, we'll get to him later on. <laughs> Let's start with Sam Darnold. Everybody's worried about him. I got some of his stats for the first half of the year. He's thrown for 1,552 yards, 10 touchdowns, 10 picks, 56.1% completions over the first eight games. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that he's the guy for them? Uh, I really – I would say 9, 9.5. I, I, I really – my confidence and my optimism in, with Darnold has not wavered, you know, since they said his name on draft night. I, I have, I still think we, they landed the best quarterback in the draft, and I don't know Mayfield's stats. I don't want to go on the record and be like he's doing just as, you know, blah blah blah. But you know, none of these guys are lighting it up. Rookie quarterbacks don't necessarily light it up, and the ones that do, and you know, the younger quarterbacks that do have these great coaches that say, "Here's the playbook, here's the keys to the Ferrari, go get it done." And we're just not seeing that with Darnold, and I, you know. We'll get the guys around him too. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, but like just oh my, like <laughs> yesterday was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was so bad yesterday. I felt bad for Donald because he was doing like everything yeah. he could, and like there's just guys not helping him out at all. I mean it. I think yesterday was the most frustrating because I know he's going to have clunkers. I know he's going to have bad games. But yesterday was like at least give this kid a shot, right? You know, yeah. give him something. Yeah, because I was I was watching with some other Jet fans yesterday. We both we all agree like this. We cannot like this is not on him yesterday. Like oh. he played like he played pretty well considering what he had to deal with for sure. And like oh, I mean the Bears no Mac, right? It was yeah. kind of like if that Jets team is healthy, that's a game maybe you can sneak. You know, you sneak can steal. Mm-hmm. And even yesterday, yeah. it was kind of there for a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yesterday. Like as far as Darnold goes, like I think more like not the numbers don't really matter but like what you're actually seeing with him like because like you see the throws he can make like some mm-hmm. of those like out patterns like those deep balls he's yeah. able to hit like 
Those are things that they haven't been able to have with their quarterbacks. Like Mark Sanchez oh. was not hitting those. <laughs> Gino was not hitting those. Oh. Bryce Petty wasn't hitting those. We never found out if Christian Hackenberg could for good reason. But no, and I completely agree. I think mm. that you know, in, in today's day and age of like Twitter and all this, it's all numbers, 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 and then deep diving and analytics. Like what more is you not you know what is he really doing and all this stuff. But it is it's the eye test when you because wa- I watched a Josh Rosen game and I'm not trying to bash anybody. Like you know, I'm not saying like oh Darnold's the best and Rosen's not. But there's games where like. Darnold does stuff that Rosen doesn't do. Yeah. You know, there's Mayfield does stuff that Darnold doesn't do. But it's just, you, you, the, you're right, right on with the arm talent. And I know everybody's like arm talent, arm talent. But it is his arm. The arm talent's there. He'll he'll get used to making reads at the line, and it'll all come to fruition. I, I'm I, I am fine with him. Yeah. Plus, plus he has a lot of stuff you can't teach. Like he's very good in the pocket. Like yeah. you could sense the, the rush coming, but you can't teach quarterbacks how to do that. Yeah. Happy feet was like one of the worries with him, right? Like yeah. he gets a little. But I, I can, I honestly, now you pointed out, really, there's not really times where he's he kind of runs himself out of a play. No. It's just a matter of him getting the reps, and he needs the right people to do that. Yeah. So like, let's dive into the supporting cast a little <laughs> bit. The jet, the running back situation is bad right now because Bilal Powell out for the year, probably done it's with the, career, probably yeah. done with the Jets for sure at least yep. because I don't his last year his deal is not coming back. But like, I don't know about you, I don't think Isaiah Crowell is part of the answer here. I just he just frustrates me to no end with this team because he just ugh. And I'll defend uh, McCagnan here just because like that was like okay let's bring Crowell in to offset Bilal Powell like that's kind of like the thing in the NFL right you get that you know that big just run over guys for three yards got uh running back and then you have your like Tariq Cohen like pass catching out of the backfield or you know you get a Melvin Gordon Tug earlier Barkley and they do it all but <laughs> the Jets obviously don't have that uh and Crowell on he reminds me of like a way less talented Ivory where Ivory was just a bulldog and Crowell it's like I mean the dude I, does he like look for the running lane I know the offensive line isn't great but it's just like what are you doing out there <laughs> for me the, the problem with Crowell is his attitude it just drives me oh. nuts because the dude wife thing everybody knows yeah. about that the wiping his butt with the football was the stupidest thing I've ever seen yep. then like two weeks ago when he drops the pass and they asked him after the game what's going on it's like, like it bothered you it's like nah didn't bother me at all I'm like Dude, come on. You're being paid to play football. At least pretend to care up. they drop the ball. Yeah, and that's like, right, we, we thought we got rid of these guys, right, mm-hmm. with Sheldon and Mo, and and it is. It's a culture. I think that's really it. Without Jamal Adams, I tell you, I don't know what this team would be like. Yeah. You know, like, who would be sticking up in the locker room? Who would have the voice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, to me, like, I feel like he came from Cleveland. Like, he brought some of that losing attitude with him. Yeah. And I feel like he's a bad fit for this team. I feel like they should, like, I know he's not making a lot of money, but I feel like, they got to move on from him after this year. Yeah, what is he, a two-year, three-year? I did they even three for 12. I think he's only yeah. making, like, he's like another $2 million guaranteed. I mean, you could cut him and not lose yep. sleep over that. And that it, and this is, like, one of those drafts where you can, you know, that's the new trend. Nab a running back in, like, the second and third, maybe fourth, run with him in his rookie deal, and then see what you get from there. Yeah. Yeah, Darnold, I also feel bad for because his receiving situation is so terrible right now. It's I mean, awful. <laughs> I mean, I broke it down on Twitter yesterday. So you pointed out the week before. I gave you credit for that on the podcast last week. This week... I mean, this week they ran out Jermaine Curse, a guy, a dude they signed off the street, yeah. two special teamers, and a guy off the practice squad. And, and like, what guy? What quarterback can win with that? And that's what I mean. That's <laughs> where I get frustrated. Kids, yeah. like, why not? And I, it, I, I would love to see Des Bryant on the Jets, and I know yeah. a lot of people wouldn't. I get it, his attitude, but like, 
bring him in. Like if he's if he acts up, he's gone, right? Like there, you have no reason to keep him around if he's an issue. Yeah. But you give that a guy like him to Sam Darnold. I mean, he's more like a what Brandon Marshall is now, right? Just yeah. like a big physical move the chains guy, and just give him a target to throw to. Yeah, because yesterday they, they tried they threw a curse. What like ten times he had like like seven catches for like thirty nine yards. Yeah, and he's like a slot guy, right? Yeah. Like he's like a slot big chunk play guy here and there. He's not a guy you target yeah. ten times a game. No, no like. <laughs> In terms of who they actually have on the roster, in terms of wideouts and tight ends, how many of these guys think are going to be like pieces that he can work with next year? I do like Herndon a lot, yeah. and I like to see. I'm I'm happy to see him like kind of take this role uh, and run with it. Um, I know people aren't big fans of Robbie Anderson. I'm off his off the field issues are ridiculous, but I do think they keep him around. But other than that, <laughs> I think a noon one too. And Quincy, sorry, I forgot about a noon one. Yeah, yeah, he definitely sticks around because he plays that crazy tight end wide receiver hybrid that just is really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a lot of room to play with receiver next year. I feel like I think all three of them are free agents next year. I think Anuma, Curse, and uh, Anderson are all free agents. Yeah. I think Anderson's restricted, but like, I, I honestly I like Curse, but I think they could upgrade over him for sure. You can find a slot guy. Like, you know, I'm not saying you find him anywhere, but there's there's some positions that if you you see a guy who's kind of raw, you can work with them and find it. It may it may get work. I have a guy that I, I, let me run this by you. See, you think I, the Jets have signed him next year? He's a free agent. I don't know if he's gonna come back to his old team, but Golden Tate. Yeah. I would. That's a professional wide receiver. Yeah. Like, and he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people talk about enough, right? Like, he kind of. And we knew about him in Seattle. Um. And then he went to. He's in Detroit, and that. Yeah. But he's a guy who's put up numbers. He's been a great sure-handed receiver, and that's what you need for a young quarterback—a guy that he can trust to throw the ball to. Yeah. And people don't realize this. Golden Tate has like 90 catches these last four years. Oh, for yeah. yeah. And like, I, I again, I don't want to go on the record with it, but like a thousand yards, like yep. he's almost a lock for 90 and a thousand each year. Yeah. Yeah, I think they need to bring in people like that. Maybe draft a guy as well. Hope, and that's the problem. Mike McCagnes Mac- had issues with his drafting receiver because I feel like he's drafted yeah. a bunch of them been terrible. His middle, his mid round picks have been you know nothing to write home about. And I, I give him credit for nailing the guys in the first round. But oof, when it comes to that, those middle rounds, he's got to stop experimenting with like the Nathan Shepherds of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, two names for you in a row last year. Chad Chad Hansen or Darius Stewart both are not on the team. That's not not good utilization of third and fourth round picks. And they came from like fairly big programs, wasn't it? Darius yeah, from Bama, and then Hansen was from Cal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and that's you know it all goes back. It reminds me of uh, Stephen Hill yeah. years ago. <laughs> oh, don't bring that name up. They had the one big game against Buffalo, and it's never the same after that. You know, pick before Alshon Jeffrey, right? Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of those with the Jets, yeah. especially the second round. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the offensive yeah. line. I think everybody knows that it needs to be upgraded, but like, which specifically, what spot do you think is the most important upgrade? Uh, I think tackles. You can't go. You got to. I feel like every great offensive line has the the tackle position locked up because that's where your edge rushers are coming from, right? Your speed rushers. And I, honestly, I like the way the unit has played. They've played a lot better than I thought they would, but I just it's so hard for me to like give a real opinion on like who to get or give you a name because these guys don't grow on trees, you know? Like you got to draft these guys. You and if you go and if you're trying to sign them a free agency, you're going to end up with a Nate Solder who's just a yeah. turnstile. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe. At one point we thought the giant line would be better than the jet line. It's precluded in the opposite. Yeah, I, I really I I mean I've been v- really surprised at like how well the unit has played. And in, in the preseason I don't think they played it all together really, but yeah, they played a lot better than I thought they would. Yeah, I think for me, I think I like I like Shell at right on the right side. I think he's fine. I like I, him a lot. I, yeah. I think 
just that whole that left side of the line. I think Carpenter's had a bad year. I don't think he's been very good. I yeah. think I think he's on his last year of his deal too. I think they let him walk. No, for sure, he's on his way out. But yeah. th- for me, I think Spencer like Spencer Long. I mean, like the snaps have been just so bad, alarming. And, yeah. and I know he's got a hand injury. I think yeah. I think that's what they've been saying. But yeah, he's. His snaps have been like, you can't have that. You nope. can't be throwing the ball over your quarterback's head or yeah. at his feet. Yeah. yeah, I feel like at least three of those picks that Darnold have thrown have, been t- have become after bad snaps in the center. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, where he's kind of just like – and that will that will freak you out as a quarterback too, yeah. right? Because all of a sudden you're thinking you got to speed everything up. All right, let's go to the defense here for a minute. Let's yep. talk about like one guy who I'm intrigued what they're going to do with is Leonard Williams just because oh, yeah. like everybody talks about how great he is. Everybody talks about like – what like how talented he is but like i feel like i watched the game i feel like he just does not have like huge impacts on the game because a lot of people been saying blaming on the double teams but like at some point you got to produce i i completely agree right and that's what it is he you hear about it i mean in chicago was this last game was a perfect example i mean i i didn't watch like this the second half most of it because i was going to interning but I, i didn't see number 92 making too many big plays when i was watching and it's just i again great guy great leader but he's just – I also do think he's stuck. I don't really think he's an interior defensive lineman. i kind of like to see what they if they moved him on the edge a little bit, right? Because yeah. I think they have him in DT kind of sometimes, hybrid between yeah. the two. I mean, I think they do – they're going to bring him back. I really do because his QB pressures and all this. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like, you gotta you got to show me something. you got to throw up some sack numbers, you know? Yeah, but how much are you going to pay him? That's the question. That's it, very could, true. Because, like, they had the fifth-year option on him for next year. Yeah. But, like – at what when when you're offering him a long term deal, what are you basing it on? That's the that's the problem with him. No, yeah, I agree, and, and it's tough with the interior guys who play like both interior yeah. outside because you're not you're not looking at you know sixteen and a half sacks, but I do think there's I I do think when it comes down to it, they'll look at it all because you got a guy like Vic Beasley right down in Atlanta who gets paid I think a fair amount, and if you really look at it, he's just kind of the product of like his other the offensive lineman getting him sacks. Yeah. But with Leo, I do. I, it's it's going to be very intriguing to watch this whole process. Yeah, I remember, I remember when they had the Sons of Anarchy it was when it was like him, oh, yeah. what, Richardson, Williamson, like uh, Wilkerson and uh, Richardson and, and, and right? Snacks. Said, oh, yeah. Snacks is phenomenal. And and now they're all gone except for Williams. Yeah, yep. And you would think he, you know, he'd hopefully pick up a thing or two from them. It, I don't know. I I do. I don't think he's he's a top tier pass rusher by any means now. Yeah. Do you buy the Darren Lee breakout? You know, it's funny. I don't really. I'm a big Darren Lee guy. I wrote a whole article about it, and I don't really like, you know, breakouts one. I think a breakout is for the fans who just thought this guy was awful, right? Yeah. For me, it's like, okay, he's here. He's arrived. He's finally becoming what he's supposed to be. First-round talent, Ohio State. I get it. He's undersized. There's times where he gets devoured at the, at, at the, um, the line of scrimmage. But you got to take him out of that role then. You know, yeah. I think he's a great pass coverage zone linebacker, and he makes the tackles when he's there. I mean – I tell you, his emergence has really helped this team a lot because that's a position that was in dire need. Yeah, I feel like the mental game was always the problem with him. I feel like yeah. he was not able to like do the re- like be the captain on the field. I feel For like sure, yeah. I feel like having Adrian, like you saw at the end of last year when he gave back more to Demario Davis, and now yeah. with Williams, I feel like now that he's not have that responsibility, he can just play. I feel like he's better at it. Yeah, for sure. It's expectations. Like <laughs> everybody thought, oh, here's the next David Harris. Well, I mean, those are yeah. some pretty big shoes to come yeah. in and fill, right? So it's like. Gage, you know, just relax. You know, I, I, when I tell people just relax, is a lot of other first round linebackers have not panned out either. He'll, I think he's fine. I think it's great that he's playing the way he is with his contract coming to his rookie deal coming to an end, and I'm so happy to see him playing well. All right, give me three areas on this team that you think they need to address in order to contend next year. And thankfully, quarterback is not on the list anymore. <laughs> yeah, 
So I don't want to say like skill skill positions is multiple positions, but so I guess they pick skip, one skill position. <laughs> uh, honestly, running back. I yeah. think I think you need a far more dynamic and versatile running back. We talked uh, we talked about Crowell, just not enough. You need a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's the way the NFL is today. Like a guy like a TJ Yeldon, even you know, like someone who can do it, do both. Um, I really I'm fine with receivers. I think they'll figure that out. Tight ends will figure it out. Offensive line they need to definitely address the offensive line. Draft I don't think you need to sign. Just draft them and work with them. Don't try to go yeah. spend a lot of money in free agency at that position. And um, I think they just I think they need to find a way to get a big time big time defensive lineman edge rusher. Yeah. I, that would th- that would take this that defense to the next level. But I think those are the three positions. Running back, find yourself some offensive linemen. And go get yourself a big time defensive end. <laughs> yeah, those are the three I, I would do as well. I think the edge rusher. I think you have to get in free agency. There's so many of them this year. And I would pay that. I yeah. would pay the ten plus million dollars. Yeah, I mean, they have a hundred million cap room. They can they, they can easily go do oh, that. Oh yeah, they can. Oh for sure, yeah. for sure. Because like I mean, I saw the I was looking at the list yesterday. You got like like Ziggy Ann said, the Marcus Lawrence, Devin Clowney, like I would D Ford just. Just to name a few of them, like yeah. I'm sure they're not all gonna get franchise tags. So you have to go get like one of the ones that gets out to free agency and just make sure you have one of them here. I, I would I would really be on board to Marcus Lawrence. I think it's yeah. the be- most pure pass rusher. Yeah. yeah, and I have I have a running back for you. I was, I was thinking about this. I don't think they should go after Le'Veon Bell. Cause I'm wearing the I'm wearing the no. tr- I'm wearing the tray on the tires and the attitude problem That's for sure. Because I feel like he's gonna end up being a Revis where he doesn't get paid enough. He's gonna start whining. I agree completely. I have a guy for you who's gonna be a free agent. I don't think he's gonna get tagged. I think this is a guy for it. I think could be a good fit for them. Yeah. Mark Ingram. For sure. I think that's a great, great name. Honestly, again, a guy who does both. And, yeah. then, and then you can keep, you can go find, you know, Trent and Cannon, you can use him in a two role or something like that, which I'd be okay with. I like Ingram. I like it. He'll definitely, he's definitely not re-upping in New Orleans, I don't think. No, I feel like New Orleans is going to try and give it to Kamara more as they as they yeah, go forward. But I feel, about, like, yeah. I feel like the Jets could try and do what the Saints have now. And if they sign Ingram and have, like, and let McGuire and Cannon try and be the, like, sort of, like, combo poor man's Kamara. For sure. Right? Yeah. And it, it, again, this is all, this is all, they have to do right like yeah. look in-house and spend in free agency where you need it absolutely need it but and don't spend it all this offseason no. that's another thing a lot of jets fans don't need to spend it all this offseason no absolutely not you <laughs> got to keep that keep that flexibility yes. going forward yes and we could we, we can't talk about the jets not talking about our coach mr bowles oh, i know yeah yesterday i will say he drove me insane oh, yesterday clip, yeah <laughs> oh i even talk about the clip just in this game alone yes yes how about punting? The punt. The punt on fourth. <laughs> the, the Todd Bowles quit. Like, it's fourth and 13. Just have that reset. Six minutes to go. They're on their own 30 yard line. They're down two scores. They have not moved the ball all day. They punt the ball away. I mean, come on. I know. You're not going to win. And that goes all the – I think that that's why the locker room is kind of the way it is sometimes. That's why Sheldon Richardson and Wilkerson, Wilkerson couldn't stand it at times. I, I do attribute that to Todd Bowles. You, gotta, you can't be doing that. And this is not the first time they did it. They did it in Jacksonville. Oh, he's they done did, this they done it. They did it in Denver yeah. last year. They've done it in a lot of – they've done it in Pittsburgh in 2016. They, yeah. they, I saw somebody on Twitter. I think it was Connor Rogers. Connor, he's like, which one of them said it. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's the Todd Bowles quit punt. I quit punt. Yeah, and, and, and there's no way you can sell your young quarterback and your other young players on that this is like a – I mean, Cleveland, we just saw Cleveland did, right? Cleaned yeah. house. And yeah. I tell you, that's what the Jets got to do. Yeah. And on top of that also, how do you have seven pre-snap penalties in one game? They, seven yeah. by, I think like by seven different players and I think in like the first 10 minutes or something they had like five for four penalties which yeah. is just you got to be kidding me <laughs> yeah there was yeah they, their first four penalties three were false starts yeah it's ridiculous and like that's just not being disciplined at all 
And Darnold was pissed off after the game, which I'm like, good for you because like you don't want to accept like mediocrity and BS. You just want to actually try and win. And we've seen, yeah, we've seen Darnold get a little perturbed. We saw Jamal Adams. We heard him on the fan going, tell him, hey, you know, Bowl said we were prepared for Mayfield, but we weren't right in yeah. week two or three. I mean, these players realize this guy's, you know, his lead, he's running out of time here. So, yeah. So we built up the anticipation enough. Okay. Yeah. Todd. <laughs> yes, so yesterday I pulled this clip because I just, but I, my mind exploded when I heard <laughs> and they asked they asked Todd Bowles yesterday after the game what his message was was to the team after this game. Here's what he had to say. I'm very proud of the way they fought and stayed together. Uh, this is one of the first games the entire year that we stayed together <laughs> as a team and fought collectively execution was not great obviously and we got to make more plays and we know that and we're going to stay the course and these guys are going to stay together and they fought together and we're going to get ready for Miami next week okay thoughts on that I see lots of laughing and like weird well like are you sure this wasn't from week one two three four five you know like he says the same thing every I feel like every week and it's just you can't tell your team that. Like it's like you know when you're 12 years old. Hey, we fought hard today, guys. You know we'll just go get some ice cream after the game. We'll go home. Like give me a break. This is the yeah. NFL. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, this just drove me insane. Because I mean, at, like at what point does winning freaking matter? Oh, it, ha- it has to. It because has to. <laughs> we're we're in we're in week eight of year four of your tenure. We're talking about how hard you're playing and how and how we fought and how we played together. This is not this is not like pee wee football for sure. Yeah. And this, this is about winning at this point. You got to win. The record has to matter. I know, and, and I feel like he kind of sits back because that first year was like, whoa, ten and six. Didn't see that coming. And it was kind of like we thought they were going to regress a little bit, right? Yeah. Not this. I mean, this is insane. This is insanity. Like I said, you you have to look at these teams. You have to look at Chicago with Nagy. You got to look at LA with McVay. They 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 brought progressive, out of the box thinkers into those teams, and look at where they are now. And that's why. I can't stand this guy as the coach for the Jets. And I, I imagine this, too. I feel like people fell in love with the idea of having a coach for more than three years because I feel like everybody's like, oh, you don't want to be the Browns. We have to go constantly booting coaches out yeah. every two years. But So they said, okay, we'll extend bowls and give him a fair shot. But you know what? Every year is an excuse why this team can't win. 16 was, oh, you know, they're too old. Yep. 17, oh, we're tanking. We have to get Darnold. We have to get a quarterback. So we're, like, we're going to build the young players up and we make mistakes. Now 18, oh, we have a rookie quarterback. It'll be okay. But yeah. you know what? At some point, you have to win in this league. It drives yeah. you crazy. And, like, do you see next year this team going, like, 11-5? and five? N- no, Not with Bulls. Because this is, like, what I'm saying is, like, you know, follow this trend of, like, rookie quarterbacks coming in. You know, the second year, they kind of take off. Goff's doing it. Mahomes is doing it. Um, Mitch Trubisky's kind of doing it. Like, and a lot of that's attributed to a coaching change for some of these guys. It's just, uh, I mean, you can, that this idea that it's like we need to work with Darnold, we need to, we need to like, you know, kind of hand, you know, hold the hand of all these players. Like, no, no, these guys are NFL players. You got to go into that room. You got to get these guys ready and prepared to play. No, you know, discipline them and get them focused. And this guy can't do it. Hasn't win won anything. And I think he's just got to leave. Goodbye. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done too. Just because I'm just fed up. I mean. And the, the bandwagon is getting smaller by the day. Manish Medita even questioned the game plan. <laughs> yeah. So, like, our friend Rocky Apollo might be on himself on the Todd Bowles <laughs> Island at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, his guy, Hugh, just got canned. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Hugh, they brought up Hugh Jackson got fired today in Cleveland. You remember what Hugh Jackson's record was in yeah. Cleveland? Yeah, what, 3 and 36? 3 36 and 1 in 40 games. And his was like his case, people were baffled that he stuck around for that yeah. long, you yeah. know? So, I, yeah. Todd, I think Todd's a good defensive guy. 
but gotta go. Yeah, since the Patriot game, since I brought this up again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since they lost, they beat the Patriots, went to Buffalo with the playoffs on the line. I believe he is 13 and like 27 or 13 and 28. Yeah. Like, at what point does the wins and losses actually matter? It has to. And, and now, and, you know, the, like you said, the end of this season, I'm, I'm sure he's going to get let go of this contract and they'll just, you know, f- they're going to go a different way. They have to. I mean, this is the time to do it because you have a great asset in a young quarterback yeah. you can build around. Like, you should be able to attract a top talent. You should be able to get, like— For sure, yeah. Like, maybe Jim Harbaugh wants to leave Michigan because he says, oh, I can win in the NFL with this kid. Maybe you get, like, one of these guys like John Filippo or, like, Matt LaFleur or, like, one of them yeah, to, like, come coach the quarterback up. That's what they need, right? They need a guy who's going to come in and be like, this is my guy. We're going to work with him. Like, again, like Nagy, like, uh, like McVay who's going to work with them and take them to the next level. Because Todd Bowles, and we saw it with Sanchez. I'm Not that Sanchez was going to be anything great, but Rex Ryan ruined Mark Sanchez, and I'm really, really worried Todd Bowles is going to put Darnold in a position to where he can really develop. Yeah, because that's the worries me the most, is the fact that like he's young, he can be good, but like you don't want him trying to develop bad habits, trying to help his team win. Because, yeah. And then like it's, and once the bad habits are there, it's going to be really hard to break them. Yeah, and I think I don't think enough people think about it that way. All right, I know. I know you got to run. Before, yep. before you go, yep. you, you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the stuff you're up to. Uh, yeah. So, um, like Mike said, I'm still doing the Jet Press. My Twitter is at will s c h n e i d e r h one. Um, yep, writing about the Jets. Got a big fantasy thing going week to week. Fantasy wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs. Uh, cooking up a bunch of stuff for the Ionian and just. Uh, working through it so yeah thanks for having me on no problem thanks again for hanging out and thanks for willing to jump on and talk about the met gm situation as well that was, oh, that was always all right <laughs> that was will Schneiderhand talking about the new york jets up next show me the money week number nine coming up right after this show me the money all right, and we're back. Show me the money. Week number nine. Hard to believe we're nine weeks into the NFL season. Today, I am joined in the studio for the first time since week two. I have an in-studio guest. Joining me today, Anthony Sorbellini. Anthony, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing very well, thanks. Let's Before we get into it, what kind of fan are you? Football-wise, I'm a diehard Colt fan. How did that happen? Uh... Long story short, my stepdad has been a Colts fan pretty much for my entire life. He was an old school Colts fan ever since they were in Baltimore, and I just saw his passion. I just like just growing up with his house with him ever since I was two years old. I was just like, yeah, this has to be my team. Like he just goes berserk, he goes crazy, and I was just like, yeah. And of course, I was fortunate enough to you know to watch Peyton Manning, and now I get to see Andrew Luck too. Yeah, it's funny. I got I have you're my actually the second Colt fan I've had on this podcast. Are you doing picks this year? So oh really? Yeah, the my first guy on I first guy on Dan Demartini. He also became a Colt fan because of Peyton Manning. So yeah. I can relate. Like, having a legendary quarterback would be awesome to watch. Yeah. yeah, I mean I was just lucky just getting to see Peyton. But I mean, so many people kind of like I don't want to say count me out, but they're always like, "Oh, you're still a Colt fan." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't give up on my team just because we're doing it in a rough spot right now." Yeah, I respect, a lot of respect for the out-of-towners who choose to stick with their teams when you have two options in this area. Oh, yeah. Always. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I consider myself a little bit of a Giants fan. Like, of course, I'm always going to root for the Colts regardless. But, I mean, if I'm watching a Giants game, I'll root for the Giants. And if the, the Giants are in the playoffs, I'll hands down root for the Giants. Yeah, yesterday the Colts went out to the West Coast. They beat up the Raiders 42-28. 
Big takeaway for me from that game. It's nice to see they could run the football again. That's nice. It's uh, it's honestly, as a Colts fan, especially for the past, I want to say like three to five years, we haven't really had a solid run game. So the past two weeks, what Marlon Mack's been able to do has been phenomenal. And I put it a lot of the credit I give to, I give to uh, Chris Ballard, our new GM, because he has beefed up that offensive line. Yeah, that's definitely a key when you have Andrew Luck under center. I feel like they got to do something with him because like they feel like they've wasted like five years of his prime. Oh, yeah, I'd say they probably – I'd go more than that than just his prime. I'd even say his career. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it through his first four years, we've each – we made the playoff each year, yeah. We made the AFC Championship, yeah, but after that, Luck got hurt. I mean, we've never seen a team rely so heavily on one player as the Colts do on Andrew Luck. Yeah, it's, it's just a cult thing. When Peyton Manning went out for the one year, the Colts were just, like, fell apart. <laughs> well, yeah, because we had Curtis Painter filling in. And, I mean, don't even get me started on that. I mean, it was the suck for luck sweepstakes. Yeah. Well, that worked out for them. Like, how you think? How you like the direction they're going in right now? You think that Bauer's got them pointed in the right direction? You like Frank Reich? Yeah, I like I like Frank Reich a lot. I was actually, you know what? I was really excited when uh, Josh McDaniels took the head coaching position at first. I was like, okay, you know, under Bill Belichick for X amount of years, knows how to win. Then he pulled out. Then I was like, okay, thanks. Now what? And then I hear Frank Reich. I was like, okay, I like what he's doing. But, I mean, I just love the fight that this team has. I feel like we haven't had this fight since, like, the tail end of the Tony Dungy era and the Jim Caldwell. Because under Chuck Pagano, it was just kind of like, once they were down, they just kind of like gave up. They didn't have the fight. But with, under Frank Reich, I mean, they're just in every single play, every single down. Yeah. I actually asked this to the Colt fan I had on earlier in the year. When they went for it on the fourth down in overtime, were you a fan of that or were you against that? In the moment when they went for it, I was furious. I was like, no. But then, you know, sitting back, relaxing after the game ended, I was like, I like the gutsy play. I like, I'd rather have that. I'll take a loss over a tie any day. It's just the way I am. I don't like ties in football. So when that happened, I mean, of course I was a little upset, but looking back now, I'm completely fine with it. I, I like the risky, I like the risky play call. It shows that, you know, Reichs wants to win. He doesn't want to settle. Yeah, I love I love that. I love that he's willing to do that. I'm stuck on a football team where my coach is pumping on fourth and thirteen down two scores in the fourth quarter because he doesn't <laughs> think he can win the game. So I would love to have that Frank Reich mentality on my team. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go on to the picks to recap the the uh, challenge standings. The team of challengers this year is fifteen eight and one push. Kevin Lewis was here last week. He took he won with the Steelers, laying eight and a half against the Browns. They blew them out. He won with your Colts minus three in Oakland, and they run won that game by two touchdowns. Lost on the Chiefs minus ten because Denver covered. I am up to twelve and twelve on the season with after another two and one week. I won with the Packers plus nine in LA. They could have won that game outright if Ty Montgomery did not fumble running out of the end zone on the kickoff there. I won the Panthers plus two and a half. I have no idea why they were underdogs of the Ravens, but they came back and destroyed them. Lost on the Lions minus three because they got wrecked by the Seahawks. They had, yeah. Did not see that one coming. Anthony, since you're the guest, you may pick first. Where are you going with your first pick? No, my first pick, I have the Ravens beating the Steelers. Ravens laying three in that game. Yeah. So I have, what? I have Ravens winning by a by a touchdown. Why do you why do you like the Ravens? I think it's gonna be a close knit game, you know, division rivals, but I think the overall the edge, them being in Baltimore, helps a lot. The Ravens, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, they're a little bit of a surprise this year, especially their defense. I believe they've allowed the lowest points in the NFL this year. And that defense is kind of, you know, being led to charge by Terrell Suggs. Just kind of, just kind of go right back to the ground and pound. 
There you go. That's I have thoughts on that, but I'll save that. You can let's go with your second pick. Where are you going next? Going with a little bit of an upset. I'm gonna take the Packers at the Patriots. Packers winning. Plus six. And I'm gonna say they win by ten. Really? That's a big statement right there. Yeah, you know what? The Packers, yeah, I think they're better they're better than their record. I you never want to count uh Aaron Rodgers out. I mean, we see what this guy can do. He's just phenomenal. Yeah, they're in Foxborough, and they're pretty much unbeaten when they're at home. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, they could have won yesterday very easily in L.A. against the Rams. Oh, absolutely. It's just the way the ball falls sometimes. Yeah, and plus, like, I picked the Packers go to the Super Bowl preseason, so I'm hoping that they can get that game because they might be in some trouble if they're not, if they don't. Oh, yeah, they'll be. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't call them Super Bowl team, but, I mean, I think they'll, they'll find a way to squeeze into the playoffs. Okay, that's your second pick. Where are you going with your third? Uh, I'm going to go Seahawks over the Chargers. Seahawks laying two and a half at home. And I think the Seahawks will win by a field goal. That's a tight game out there. It's going to be a very tight game. Two very hot teams coming in right now, but ultimately, just like the similar pick with my Ravens pick, I think the Seahawks being at home with that 12th man, that's just going to lead to everything, and that's going to be the ultimate reason why. I thought it was going to be a rebuild year, this year for the Seahawks, you know, the Legion of Boom's gone. They don't really have any too many offensive weapons, but Russell Wilson has had the team rally around him, and I like what they're doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, that that game is tricky because you never know with the Chargers because the Chargers are like one of those weird teams where, oh, like, yeah, absolutely. like, you think they're going to play. Well, I can easily see what you're saying where they just go in just out, like, to state they can beat the Seahawks and just like, yeah. get, walk in like, whoops, we lost. And I feel like with uh, Phillip Rivers, too, you never know what kind of Phillip Rivers you're going to get. Yeah, There's sure. never no in-between. It's either he's like – a perennial all-star or he just couldn't survive in a peewee league oh yeah okay so your picks are in i'm gonna start my first pick i'm actually going head to head with you on one of these i'm taking the steelers plus three in baltimore i just don't i just don't like the ravens this year i've picked against them, i think two weeks in a row i've got been correct both times and i just think that honestly like pittsburgh's coming as their own right now they've won three in a row they lost to baltimore earlier in the year it's about they have revenge on their minds i just think that like the time is coming. They're going to start running away with that division. I think that comes right here. They grab, the, they get the split with the Ravens and move on. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of a, a coin toss flip for me right there, too. I mean, I know I said the Ravens just with them being at home, but I think it's also going to be a tight game, too. So Yeah, very, very tight game. I think very interesting to watch that happen. Pick number two. They they won for me last week. I'm going to go back to them again. I'm taking the Panthers minus six at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yes, Fitzmagic is back at quarterback to, this week, but... Carolina, I feel like it's getting slept on in this league. I feel like they're a very good team. They've put together two very good wins in a row over the Eagles with the comeback and destroying the Ravens yesterday. Tampa cannot stop a nosebleed on defense. Carolina is going actually has a defense. I feel like they're going to force a couple of turnovers from, Fitz, from Fitzpatrick and then feel like they're going to just run the ball down their throats and win that game going away. I mean, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Panthers are probably one of the most slept on teams in the NFL, definitely in the NFC, but overall the NFL I don't think anybody surprised uh was expecting this and especially with with the way Cam Newton's playing I mean former MVP right there so he yeah just, he just leads the charge yeah because especially considering he's playing very well and like he's not getting talked about as having a, like MVP caliber year when you have Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees doing what they're doing but I feel like Cam Newton's never really been talked about whether it on us it's about his off-field antics you know you hear about the Super Bowl a couple of years ago just his press conferences you hear about that all the time but you don't the only time you really heard about his play was his MVP year other than that I mean he's been I don't want to say above average but he's been you know he's been with your Andrew Lux he's been up there so yeah for sure my last pick of the week, I'm taking going to the game of the week. I am taking the Saints 
plus one at home against the LA Rams. This is basically a pick 'em game. I just feel like the, the Rams been teetering on that on that bubble of losing for a while. The Saints are coming home after they thrashed the Vikings in Minnesota last night. They're built very well. They're red hot. I feel like they're going to trip the Rams up, and they're going to hand the Rams their first loss of the year. So I'm going to take the Saints with the point. Yeah, I can see that, especially with the Saints being at home. There's nothing like playing in the Super in the Superdome. I mean, they're a completely different team when they're in that dome. And like you said, the Rams have been on the cusp of losing. I didn't. I don't think the Rams would go undefeated. And if I think any team's going to beat them, I think it's going to be Drew Brees and the Saints. Oh, sure. This is no slag as the Rams, who I think are the best team in the league. I think this is just a bad spot for them right oh, now. Oh, yeah. They're definitely the hands the, the best team in the league. But going undefeated, it's so hard, and I don't see it happening. Okay, to reset the picks, Anthony has gone with the Ravens laying three at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Packers getting six points in Foxborough on Sunday Night Football. And the Seahawks minus two and a half at home against Phillip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers. I have gone head-to-head with Anthony on one pick. I'm taking the Steelers plus three in uh, against Bol- against Baltimore. I'm taking the Panthers laying six against Fitzmagic and the Bucks. I am taking the Saints plus one at home to hand the L.A. Rams their first loss of the season. Those are your picks for week number nine of Show Me the Money. Anthony, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Before you go, any social media plugs you want to make? Let us know how to follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Ant Sorbellini, A-N-T capital S-O-R-B-E-L-L-I-N-I. All right. Anthony Sorbellini, thanks for the time. Thank you. All right, that was Anthony Sorbellini with your week nine picks for Show Me the Money. Up next, the two-minute drill. We're going to talk about why the World Series ratings are down right after this. Welcome back to this week's two-minute drill. World Series is over. First championship that's been awarded since I started this podcast. Congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. They defeated the LA Dodgers four games to one. Picked up the victory in game five last night. It was an interesting World Series, but unfortunately, not a lot of people were watching. World Series ratings were down markedly for the first three games. Game one on, fr- on uh, last Tuesday, four-year low in terms of ratings down 6% compared to last year. Game two, three-year low, down 10% year-to-year. Game three, everybody knows about game three. The 18-inning classic, Mac Muncy hits the walk-off homer, ends at 3.30 in the morning, down 10% compared to a year ago. Why is that? Why in a situation where you have two great teams in the playoffs, two big markets, New York, not New York, sorry, Boston and L.A., filled with stars, why aren't people watching this? MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, he sees nothing wrong with it. He sees nothing wrong with why the game is going today. He doesn't think that's the problem. Check out what he had to say in an interview with Sirius XM prior to the start of the World Series about the state of the game. Look, I think that um, baseball people, and by that I mean the media, people who work in the game, Um, You know, maybe not the players so much, actually, when you think about it, spend entirely too much time being critical of our game. You know, our game is fantastic. We draw 70 million people every year live to come watch the game. Uh, You know, we we were the number one rated cable programming in 21 markets throughout the summer. Um, Those are great, great numbers. People are deeply invested in the game. 
That doesn't mean there aren't little things that people are going to talk about, but it's important every once in a while take 10 steps back and realize how great the product is. Okay. I got to hit on this. I don't think he realizes that the game has a problem. Something I hit on early in the playoffs, I feel like the game is definitely going in the wrong direction. The three true outcomes are killing this game. Game one of the World Series, these teams combined for 24 strikeouts, eight walks, two homers, and used 12 pitchers in a nine-inning game. The aces of the staffs, Clayton Kershaw and Chris Sale, each pitched four innings. Game two, 16 strikeouts, five walks, 10 pitchers used. Game three, which was the best game of this series by far, and I gave you these numbers a little inflated because they went 18 innings. 34 strikeouts, 12 walks, three homers, 18 pitchers used. The best part of this game, though, was the fact that some of these pitchers actually got a chance to perform very well. Walker Bueller from the Dodgers was going to be one of their best pitchers in the next, like, five, ten years. He threw seven shot innings. Nate Yavaldi on the Red Sox went six in relief and was willing to go to the end of that game, gave up the homer, delivered a truly epic performance in the loss. We don't see much of that anymore because of this stupid bullpenning thing. No one gets a chance to be a gutty performer and deliver a big game because the second somebody gets in trouble, the manager's running the mound to get a bullpen guy. One of my favorite games to watch as a playoff historian and my brief playoff experience, I don't have much of the Mets, was game five of the NLDS, Mets-Dodgers, Jacob DeGrom in that game did not have his best stuff. Literally struggling from the start, gave up a run immediately. But Terry Collins, I give him credit for this, he stuck it out with DeGrom. Matt Vance probably would have pulled Jake at least five or six times before, before he actually did, but he gave the Mets six very good innings and gave them a chance to win the game. That would not happen today. Today, Jake would have been gone in the third inning and the bullpen would have tried to patch it together. You need these epic kinds of performances. You need to be able to have faith at the starters and get the job done. Instead, all we're getting is more games with extra pitching changes that leads to longer games. Longer games lead to less interested fans. Pace of play is a big issue for this sport, and honestly, going through 75 relievers a game is not helping. One other problem, the start times of these games are atrocious. A World Series game should not be starting at 8.09 Eastern time. Rob Manfred made a point about how it's tough because they want to balance the markets because if you start any earlier, you're going into the workday on the West Coast. Here's the problem with that. About 47% of your market share is actually based on the East Coast. 47%. Maybe 16% or so on the West Coast cares enough to watch it. You should be catering to where your bigger fans are. Not saying start the game at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You can start at 7 o'clock like you do during the regular season. Start at 7, then maybe the kids actually will be able to finish the game. And maybe use creative stuff like the NFL has done to cut down these two and a half minute, 245 commercial breaks. The, there's way too much lag in this game, and the younger generation simply cannot stay up and commit to being up past midnight every night to watch the NFL playoff game. You have to give them a chance to get invested in this sport, and these start times are not doing that at all. The problem is here, unless baseball does something about this, unless they commit to earlier start times, unless they commit to making sure that these relief pitchers actually don't have to just be constantly paraded through the game, unless that happens, the Rays are going to keep going down. 
the game is going in the wrong direction. And baseball needs to do something about it before it gets too late. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guests, Will Schneiderhan and Anthony Sorbellini, for stopping by to talk Mets, Jets, and make NFL picks. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look into why Kevin Durant may finally be willing to come to the Knicks next year, check out our blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, simply by searching for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings or make this podcast even better going forward. You can, you can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me the hashtag, the record matters if you made it to the end of today's show. Be sure you're locked in next week. I'm going to be joined again by Joe D'Aloisio for an NFL midseason report. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Packers fans. Yeah.